This morning, as I said, we're diving into a new series. Uh, we're, calling me, we're calling it Meaning in the Music, The Christmas Carols. And as you guessed it, A Little Town of Bethlehem is our song today. I have a question as we start today. How many of you have felt undervalued or underappreciated? Ever. <laughs> okay, all of us should raise our hand at some point. Um, I think that that is a common struggle. Maybe you felt like you just don't have anything to offer. How many of you have felt like that? I just, I'd love to offer something, but I don't know what I can offer. And if that's you, I just want to encourage you, you're in good company. Um, I think that we all feel like that at different times. And you know, it's interesting that God often chooses people who don't feel like they have much to offer, who aren't bright and shiny and the, the loudest or the most charismatic or the leader in the room, but God often chooses those who don't seem like they have much to offer to accomplish his will and his purpose here on earth. And that is exactly what happened in the village of Bethlehem when Jesus came from heaven to earth into a very ordinary, very small place and let his glory be known throughout the entire world. And so what is it about this little town that inspired such a beautiful Christmas carol? Well, there was a man named Philip Brooks. He was a pastor from Philadelphia who wrote this carol after visiting Bethlehem in 1865 on Christmas Eve. 1860, that's a long time ago, isn't it? 1865. And on Christmas Eve, Brooks made his way on horseback from Jerusalem to Bethlehem where he attended a special musical celebration at the Church of the Nativity where some people believe that Jesus was born. Now, the church, the nativity, is just a short distance away from the hillside where the shepherds could have very well have met the angels on that fateful night. And this so impressed him and so moved his heart that he wrote this song, O Little Town of Bethlehem. And of course, Brooks wasn't the first one to experience the power of the little town of Bethlehem. It was actually prophesied about in the book of Micah, which is one of the uh, smaller prophetic books in the Old Testament. And he actually wrote this prophecy 700 years before Jesus arrived on the scene. 700 years. And what's beautiful to me about the Bible is that the Old Testament, so much of it, well, all of it, is pointing to the person of Jesus Christ. And there are literally hundreds of prophecies that came true from the Old Testament and came true in the New Testament when Jesus came on the scene. And this is just one of them. It says, But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, are only a small village among all the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel, whose origins are in the distant past, you could say the eternal past, will come from you on my behalf. And so God prophesies that a Messiah is coming. And, and Jesus fulfills this prophecy and it's just an amazing thing to think that, wow, you know, we get to read about it now in the future and look back in the past and see it. But this was all fresh. This was all new. The angels showing up, uh, Mary and Joseph and the whole thing came together. And some people recognized it and recognized Jesus as the Messiah and, and many rejected him. And yet we have the privilege of looking back and saying, wow, only God can put the pieces of history together like this so that we can understand and know 
who our Savior is and know who Jesus is. And you know, maybe you can say, well, nothing ever, something special happened in Bethlehem, but nothing ever special or extraordinary happens in my life. (laughs) And if that's you, I just want to encourage you. Your glory days are not over. You have not missed God's boat for your life. You maybe thought God had plan A and you're like, well, I'm on plan F by now. But I want to encourage you, if you make yourself available to God today, God has something extraordinary that he wants to do through your life. And and that's exactly what we see with Mary and Joseph. Think about this. God uses, I'm going to say this and then I'm going to follow it up, but God uses the ordinary in this world to do the extraordinary. But also think of this. Compared to God, everyone is ordinary. Uh, I think of Elon Musk. He's just big in the news right now, making waves, good or bad, whatever. Uh, I think he's the richest man in the world still. Um, But you know what? Comparatively, Elon Musk to God. He's just pretty ordinary. I mean, think about how smart he is. Compared to God, he's not very smart. Think about how much money he has. Compared to God who owns it all, Elon Musk does not have much money. Think about all of the things that we look at in life and say, wow, that person's extraordinary. Well, compared to God, no, we are all ordinary people that as we present ourselves to God, we'll use in extraordinary ways. And God loves to use ordinary people. God only uses ordinary, yeah, God actually only uses ordinary people because compared to him, we're all ordinary. But God only uses ordinary people because we're all ordinary when compared to him. And when God looks at you, he doesn't see the ordinary limitations that you see. He sees your extraordinary potential. Family, it's important that we look at each other that way. You know, sometimes it's easy to get frustrated with people um, you think, oh, that person, they're up to it again. Ah! And you just want to be impatient or get angry with them. But you know what? If we learn to look at people how God looks at people, we can say, yeah, they're being annoying right now. Yeah, I have to endure that again. But you know what? God sees something in them that I don't see right now. And I'm going to trust that God is going to bring out the extraordinary for his glory in that person. Can I hear an amen? Amen. And how many of you know that you probably had to have someone do that for you at some point in your life? Definitely when you're in those early teenage years. No offense, young teenagers, but we think we know it all and we don't. And uh, we we need wisdom from above. So God sees your extraordinary potential. There was a young teenager, speaking of, by the name of David. David was inconsequential. He was not extraordinary. He was the youngest in his family. Their clans were the least in all of Israel. And yet, God found him through the prophet Samuel. And he said, you know what? Man looks at the appearance They lined up all of the sons in a row. And Samuel was like, ooh, the tall one. That dude is going to be our leader. Look how big he is. Look how strong he is. Look how great in battle he would be. 
But God said to Samuel in 1 Samuel 16, 7, he said, Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Family, God is looking at your heart. If you, if you want to be available, if you want to be used by him, you know what? He sees your heart. He sees where you're at in life. And, and he will use you if you allow him to. We can't let even our own perspective of ourselves hold us back from what God sees in us. And a lot of times, that's the biggest hurdle, isn't it? We think negative things about ourselves. Oh, I'm not this and I'm not that. I'm not good looking enough. I don't have talent enough. I, I don't know how to, I'm not smart enough. We limit ourselves. And God says, if only you could see what I see in you, we could go do some extraordinary things. Right? But we hold us back. And sometimes the enemy of our soul uses other people to reemphasize some of those things that we, we speak over ourselves. And, and we need to be very cautious. Be very cautious about what you allow into your heart. Because that enemy, he wants you discouraged. He wants you depressed. He wants you to feel hopeless. He wants you to feel useless. But God says, oh no. I've got something special for you, something special for your life. So people can say things and you can think things, but don't let them go to your heart. Don't let them go deep. Hear what the Lord is saying. Hear what people who actually know you and care about you are saying and let that be the truth you listen to. And, and you will rise so much higher than you ever thought possible. And it's so encouraging. All right. So I am way off my notes. I hope you all don't mind too much. But I'm going to skip thoughts to get back to my notes. So here is truth number one. And that is this. That God can use ordinary me when I am open to being used by him. See, God can't use us if we're not open to being used. That very first Christmas night, you know, we find a lot of ordinary people, ordinary animals, ordinary stable, ordinary inn that was closed, ordinary carpenter, a teenage girl, some shepherds. And, and we get to see, we get a picture into the characters that night. Mary, an, an angel, appears to her. In Luke 1, it says, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a, vi a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. So you can just see this, this angel. Greetings, favored woman. And Mary's looking around like, Who are you talking to? I'm just Mary. <laughs> I'm just this ordinary girl, uh, teenage girl from Nazareth, which was also another very ordinary place. You know, when Jesus came on the scene, people would say, What good can come from Nazareth? Well, the Son of God, that's what. But uh, Mary was from Nazareth. And so the angel appears to her and said, You are highly favored. In verse 30 of Luke 1, he said, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. Wow. I mean, I don't know what was going through Mary's mind at that time, but wow. Can you imagine that? 
God wants to do something very extraordinary. In verse 38, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. I am the Lord's servant. You know, here's the reality of it. Mary could have said, no thanks. Pass it on to the next person. She could have. How, how often have we at different times said, nice idea, God, pick someone else. And hopefully he keeps knocking, right? And hopefully eventually we respond. But we do have a will, and God is very respectful of willpower. He's got a will, he's got a plan, he's got a purpose, but he is not going to force you to do anything. But you know what? He will take your willing heart in an instant. And that's, that is the good news because all of the goodness of God and the plans of God are available to us. Here's the truth. God doesn't use those who have the most to offer, but those who are willing to offer themselves. God doesn't use those who have the most to offer, but those who are willing to offer themselves. I've heard it put this way, that God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. You know, there, there were definitely days, and, and still are, they're, they're fewer, but I'm just like, God, are you sure you picked the right guy to be the pastor? <laughs> you sure about that, God? <laughs> and, and especially when I was first starting out, I'm like, man, I just don't know. But I just kept saying yes to Jesus. And, and here we are. And, and, and it's been good. And it's been a, a fun ride and a blessing um, for my life and hopefully a blessing to other people. But you know what? God has a call unique to your life. God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And it's, it's different, but it's important. And as you present yourself to the Lord, he will use you in extraordinary ways. Some of those extraordinary ways might be as simple as God putting it on your heart that that person over there is discouraged, going through a hard time, and he wants you to go and encourage them. You know what? God speaking to you to go speak to someone else that's pretty extraordinary. Or you're going through a difficult time at work and you say, you know what? I'm willing to put in the time. I'm willing to work hard and I'm willing to have a good attitude through it because I'm honoring God with my heart and my life. You know what, family? More and more, that's becoming extraordinary, isn't it? And so God will use you as you are willing and as you say yes to him to do extraordinary things in this world, you might be the one who gets to lead someone else to a relationship with Christ. And that person will be in heaven at the end of this life because God used you, ordinary you, to do something extraordinary in this world. God might have you go and lay your hands and pray for someone. And maybe that encouragement, that prayer, helped get that person through another day. God can use ordinary you to do extraordinary things. Amen? But we do have to be willing. We do have to say yes. And so here's another truth that goes along with this. If we want God to use us, God can use ordinary me when I am faithful with the small things he puts before me. The small things he puts before me. 
And this is really the idea of being faithful and, and having faithfulness. That as you work and as you do what God has called you to do and with the responsibilities and tasks he's given you, you are willing to continually say yes and be consistent. And let me tell you, some of the hardest work is just continuing to be consistent. But as you do that and you do it unto the Lord, God will bless you and God will grow you. In Luke 16, 10, it says, if you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. Family, if you want God to bless you and, and grow you and give you more capacity and more calling, then you have to be faithful with the small things. That the small things is, you know, are you the same person at home as you are on Sunday morning? That's a tough one for all of us, right? Maybe you act better at home than Sunday morning. I don't know. I don't know. Let me tell you, the, the, the drive to church is the faith tester for everybody, okay? Especially if you have little kids. You know, like, like that will test your faith like nothing else, and you'll wonder if you're even a Christian when you step in the church doors. But let me tell you, it is the little things. It's how do I handle my finances? Am I, am I being a, a good steward of what God has given me? How do I handle my work? Am I the one that, that works hard when no one else is looking? It's a matter of integrity. Am I the one that shows up on time? Am I the one that skips out without offering excuse? Right? As you, as you do the faithful things, as you do the little things, God will entrust you with bigger things. And as God trusts you with bigger things, guess what? You now have the ability to handle more because you've learned how to do all the little things. Right? The, the word of God is, is true. Not only that, but, but spiritual things. The physical does affect the spiritual. If you're not willing to be faithful with the physical things God has given you, you know, that affects on how much he might give you spiritually, influence-wise, blessing-wise. And so we honor God and we choose to be faithful because then he will increase us. Here's a saying that might help. Do the ordinary things extraordinarily well for the glory of God. Do the ordinary things extraordinarily well for the glory of God. Colossians 3.23 says, Work willingly at whatever you do as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. It's tough in our entitled culture to uh, have this mindset, isn't it? Because we just expect that we're going to receive things quickly I heard it said once that newlyweds expect their home to look like their parents' home looks now after 30 years of making it look like it does. And I've experienced that. It's like, okay, the house, we're improving things. It's a slow process, but we're getting there. You know, um, we expect the same thing for jobs. We graduate high school or graduate college, and we're like, I better be making bank. I better be a manager. I better be a lead. And let me tell you, that's just not really how life works. But our culture believes it does in many ways. And, so, and, and a lot of people are able to break through that barrier and, and they're able to you know, get what's called instant success. 
The question is, do they have the character to back it? It's the little things that we're faithful at that builds the character, that gives us the capacity, that gives us the wisdom, that gives us the, the, the ability to take on more. And, and it's something our culture has lost, but you know what? As Christians, we can be the difference makers. We can encourage the people around us that we see flaking off. Just be like, hey, do one small thing well today. You know? As you give God the little things, God is going to bless your life and entrust you with more. All right, the next step to being used by God as ordinary me in extraordinary ways is that God can use ordinary me when I step out of my comfort zone as he leads. God can use ordinary me when I step out of my comfort zone as he leads. You know what? You might have the perfect encouraging word. You might have, maybe God gives you a prophetic word for someone. You might have a gift that you can give someone that will change their life. But if God is whispering to your your heart, to your spirit, you need to go and do that. And you say, Lord, I am too shy to make that happen. Guess what? God will not use you. (laughs) If we're never willing to step out of the boat, if we're never willing to take risks as Jesus leads us, family, you will not be used. But you know what? God is calling. He wants to use all of us. Amen? Church, just church as an example, church is not meant to be a few-person thing. It's meant to be an everybody thing, but that means everybody has to be willing to say, I am willing to be a little bit moved out of my way, a little bit dislocated, a little bit challenged in order to step out of my comfort zone. Now, I think I'm a pretty nice guy, a pretty nice pastor. But you know what? I might challenge some of you sometimes. And it's not because I, I want to be mean. or that. It's because I see potential in your life. And I pray that as, as God puts other people in your life that challenge you, that you would say, Lord, I'm looking at, at this as a challenge from you. I am going to step out, out of my comfort zone, and move forward as you lead me. Now, I like as he leads. You know, some people act crazy just to be crazy, and they put Jesus as a tag on it. Don't do that. You don't have to be that in order to be used by God. But you know what? Sometimes God might ask you to do something that feels a little crazy. But as you do it, if it is God leading you, you will walk away saying, oh my goodness, you would not believe how God used me today. God used ordinary me to do something extraordinary in my friend's life, in my family member's life, in someone in this world's life. And, and guess what, guys? The little things, the little things, the more you step out, the more God will entrust to you and, sit and speak to your heart again. Say, go do this. And the more you say yes, the more God is going to entrust you and say, go do this. And the more you say yes, see, it just continues to increase and compound. So that, at one point, your life has changed. 
And you're like, I can't believe that used to be me. And you can look out and just be like, wow, God. You did it. Here I am because of you. But we won't get there if we think we have nothing to offer, if we're listening to the lies of the enemy. We won't get there if we say no and we're not open to being used. And we won't get there if we're never willing to take a risk. And so I just want to encourage you, family, today is the day. As God calls you, as you feel his leading, as you feel his prompting, today is the day to say yes to Jesus. Maybe that's for your own life where you're like, I, I don't need to know if I'm a Christian right now. I need to invite Jesus to be my savior. Maybe if that's you today, your next step is to just say, Lord, I'm trusting you with my life. I don't understand everything. I don't see the bigger picture all the time. But Jesus, I know you came and died for me. You know, that can feel risky, but you only have something to gain in saying yes to Jesus. You only have something to gain to trade all of your worst for all of God's best. To trade your sin and say, Jesus, I am yours. Please forgive me. Please be the Lord of my life. Family, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. So there's almost like an action element to these scriptures. So we're trusting in God and we're saying, Lord, I'm stepping out in faith today in what I know you've called me to do. And as you do that, and we're seeking his will, God's going to show you the next step and the next step and the next step. You know, as we were out elk hunting, I, I had this visual in my mind as we're climbing up this mountain and we're not seeing elk. And you know what? If you were able to see to the top of the hill or wherever you're going in your end game, if you're able to see two miles uphill and there were no elk up there or whatever you're searching for, you would never go up that hill, right? But fortunately for us, there was a lot of curves that took us up the mountain, you know, which made it a lot easier hiking, but it also made it better because there's hope around every corner. And family, it's like that in life, isn't it? As you follow Jesus, as you say yes to him and yes to his leading, there is hope around every corner for your life. You might be struggling today, going through something, and you're like, man, I just don't know if I'm ever going to get out of this. As you present your life to Jesus afresh this morning, there's hope for you. There's hope around this hardship. There's hope around this corner. There's hope for being used by God with whatever he's calling you to do. Here's our final step. How can God use ordinary me for his extraordinary purposes? God can use ordinary me when I am fully surrendered to his will. Fully surrendered to his will. And that's what I was hinting at. The more we say yes to Jesus, the more our automatic response is just like, God, you're asking me to do this, whether it's, it's something your word just clearly lays out, like, you know, giving or um, being a part of a church family or taking time to, to pray and receive from God, right? Like, 
The more we say yes, the more we're taking my will and subjecting it to God's will, the more we are becoming fully surrendered to Jesus. And I would also say that there's just an attitude and a heart cry that we can have before God. God, I, I fully surrender myself to your will. Whatever that looks like today, whatever that looks like in my life, I fully surrender myself to your will. That is a person that God can use in extraordinary ways. Dwight Moody, um, you've maybe heard of him. He was a pastor. Um, but before that, he was a shoe salesman. And he went to hear a pastor speaking in his city and that the pastor said something in that message that just struck Dwight Moody like a bolt of lightning. And here's what the pastor said that Dwight Moody heard. He said, the world has yet to see what God can do with a person fully surrendered to him. The world has yet to see what God can do with a person fully surrendered to him. Not my will, Lord, but yours be done. I would say that, of course, Jesus fulfilled that. But after that, that's what that pastor said. And it struck Dwight Moody to the heart. And he said, God, by your grace, I will be that person. And only God knows how well he lived that and if he lived it perfectly or not. But he made a decision that night to give his life to Jesus. Uh, through his life, over one million people have come to faith in Jesus Christ. He built one of the largest churches in Chicago. Not a trained pastor at that time. He was a shoe salesman. He carried the gospel all around the world, and he started the Moody Bible Institute to train up other pastors and Christian, Christian leaders. Dwight Moody was a very ordinary man, but he fully surrendered his life to Jesus Christ. Family, I don't know what your level of surrender is today. That's between you and God. But I want to encourage you, whatever your level of surrender is today, that you take it a step further. That you say, Lord, I know you're calling me to things, but I've been holding back. Whether it's because of my own will and desires, or maybe it's because I haven't felt like you can use me, or maybe it's because it's the devil lying to me saying I have nothing to offer, or maybe it's because I just haven't said yes. Whatever your level is, family, I want to encourage you, God has something more. And if you are taking an air, you have something extraordinary that God wants to do in your life. Can I hear an amen? Amen. amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the truth, Lord God, for the history of you coming to earth, Lord, of, of laying down your life. God, we thank you that you chose to come to a little insignificant town called Bethlehem. And Lord, you continually show the world what it looks like to use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And God, I pray that we would be like Dwight Moody, who said, there's never been a fully surrendered person but Lord, I'm going to be that person. Jesus, I pray for each one of us, God, that whatever level of surrender we have to you, Lord, that we would take it to the next level. And we would say, Jesus, I am yours. You have your way in me. You do your will through my life.
God, I lay down my agenda. I lay down my mindsets. I lay down my feelings about myself that limit myself. Lord, we lay down lies that have come from other people that have held us back, that we believed is truth. Father, we lay down the lie that we have nothing to offer because in you we have something to offer this world. In you we have people we can bless. In you we have purpose and we have calling. Lord, there's, there's hope around every corner for you to use us. So Jesus, we just present ourselves to you today, Lord, and we say, Lord, use me. Speak to my heart, Lord. I want to follow your will. God, use us in fresh ways. Use us in new ways. Let us not be afraid to step out, Lord. I pray that Harvest would be and and hopefully continue to be a place where people feel safe to step out in using their gifting and calling for you. So, Lord, we just present ourselves, we present our lives to you fresh today, and we thank you, God. And I pray that you bless this family. You bless your people, Lord. Bless all those, Lord, who are at home this morning for whatever reason, watching online. Father, take them a step further as well, Lord. Father, give them willing hearts to surrender to you, Jesus. I thank you, God. Bless your people, we pray today. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 God bless you. Great to see you. Go be used by Jesus. (laughs) 